Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing of the NRL tour. Back for another week of the fifth last NRL podcast. Get us on Audio Boom, iTunes, and now on Spotify as well. Rate and review us on iTunes. There's been a bit more happening on that front lately, so we appreciate that from everybody. Um, and another big weekend of rugby league action box set as we're starting to get closer to the pointy end of the season. Yeah, we're on the home run, so another good weekend, a couple of upsets. Um, so, yeah, things are heating up. It's good to attend a game as well. Yeah, we went to the Panthers game. Got on board. We've been scoping, like a lot of people, I guess, for some opportunities to get to some football. ANZ Stadium. Hopefully, we might get a crack at one or two games. With the uh, redevelopment not happening, being members, they were sending out some information. Which is a pile of shit, the redevelopment, redevelopment not happening, but anyway. So we'll find out if we can get a, a look in there. Haven't seen Melbourne this year. Hopefully, get a look in there, but not a bad game to go to on the weekend. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, nice to get to some football. We haven't been since round one, but let's jump straight in. To our set of six, as always, six topics, thoughts, opinions, anything we want to talk about to kick off the week, and I think the most obvious one, it's been pretty overdone, but uh, the week of breaches and embarrassment for the game with the biosecurity and COVID. Yeah, well, we went a long period there where we didn't have any, and uh, things looked pretty honky-dory, but now, uh, you know, long-term discipline and mental strength, you know, are not what you really associate with people in rugby league, unfortunately, and... Um, people are breaking and people are starting to, uh, I guess, become a little bit relaxed in regards to their approach to the bubble and their responsibilities around uh, isolation and what they can and can't do. And uh, I, I heard, I heard a couple. Uh, I heard one in particular about Wayne Bennett um, a couple of weeks ago. Was at Asics Marsden Park, and I thought, oh, n- not a chance. Um, someone from school, a lady from school because we, we're quite close to there, um, said, oh, I just saw Wayne Bennett at Asics at Marsden Park, and I thought, not a chance it, it was Wayne Bennett. But Green, now, come, Green now coming out, out like you think, well, you know, he was a little bit cagey when he was asked, is this the first time you've broken protocol? Um, his response was sort of, well, I've got to eat. Well, it's like he was on the he's on the yeah, committee, so that was the I think his one is ordinary, and I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of all of it. I mean, like you said, it's been overdone, but you know, Vaughny, I know you're mates with him, but that was just it was stupid, ridiculously Simple. dumb. I'm not um, that. I will say one thing though. I, said I think all the, any player they all know, and and Vaughny was good. Like at least he owned it, and he sort yeah. of he said, "We know what we can and can't do." The only thing I spoke to him about, and he said this straight away, but it was too late, was they reported he used a fake name, which he didn't. Okay. So he got on to Widler straight away and how that's came about. They put a correction in, but as he said, it was too late. Yep. After about three hours when they finally posted something, everything over the weekend still going on, that he wrote a fake name or he did this and that. 
not defending the actions at all, but he wasn't happy more particularly about that side of things yeah. because it was adding a bit of salt and pepper, but completely owning that what he did was wrong. Yeah. And he's paying the price for it now. Yeah. So he admits that was stupid and selfish. You've got Pengai Jr. just to top it off at the back end Crazy. of the weekend, going for a, not going for a haircut, but hanging out at a barbershop with bikies, and it got raided by the police. So for Brisbane, if it already wasn't bad enough for the week they've had, everything going around at the club, all the rumours that have been swirling, and I'm sure plenty of people have read some stuff that we're not going to go into, but there's a lot swirling. You've got stags off the revenge porn thing. There's talk about more players wanting to get out. There's more drama just internally with all the staff and people wanting Paul White and Carl Morris and others to be accountable, and there's just a lot going on. Uh, Alfie Langer and a couple of staff members attended a function. They were stood down. Different fines for everybody. Gee, isn't it funny how where you stand in the game in regards to you know whether you're a good bloke or not? Yeah, well, I heard some people defending Alan Langer, saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, you should be able to go out for a beer on his birthday." Well, it shouldn't fucking matter whether it's his birthday or not. Do you want to be involved in rugby league? Mm-hmm. Do you want to get paid if you're in the and bubble. have the you know the the very 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 good gig that you've got? Do as you're told. Mm-hmm. Do what you know are, the, are your responsibilities. Under the COVID rules, the Apollo rules, to, to be in the bubble and to get the game on. And I, I don't know how close we've gone from being shut down. I guess we're never really going to know. But I'd imagine that the government is getting fed up, particularly the Queensland government. She'd love nothing more than to shit can the NRL. Uh, there's an election coming up. She's not going to put Queensland at risk at all. And you, you know how much Queenslanders love Queenslanders. So. You know, that, that's the one that, that concerns me. I don't think we've got as many concerns in New South Wales because I feel as though Queensland are a little bit like, well, you know, New South Wales is some sort of pandemic or, or in some sort of comparable state to what Victoria is in. Um, I think we had 22 cases today. So we're well below and, you know, we're, we're sort of falling... Tracing. Yeah, falling, falling around the same sort of number between, you know, 10 and 20 most days... It's been about a month and most now, of them it? are traced, yeah. So I don't really see the issue. I just think, but you can cut it any way you want. In the end, the people within the bubbles need to follow the rules. But the thing, and there's no issue. The thing for rugby league, it's not a matter of how the the case numbers are going for the state. If we get one case in the game, and it gets into a club and it spreads, or We're we gone. have that couple of day period before you become infectious, or maybe someone's asymptomatic. If they play a game against a team or two, or something happens within a couple of days, there we're fucked. Plain and simple. So that's why, like I said, yeah. at the end of the day, I think they all should have been fined heavier as well. That includes yeah, uh, the coaches, Vaughny, uh, Alfie and all that. Like, that was the other thing I didn't understand, the scale of fines. Like, if you put the game at risk or you're willing to and you're found to be breaching, I thought you should have been slammed. Like, the fact that I know they got into Ivan Clear this weekend and that was kind of a bigger point about the we coaching got, You fine. got the same fine that, that Wayne was $20,000, but the guy who was part of making the rules and a player who's a representative player and some staff members, if they knew what they were doing, got fined the equivalent, and if not less, for what could yeah. potentially blow the game to pieces. That's the real thing to take out of this right here. Um, I think the bigger part, like you said at the end of the day, at least on one count, you would have hoped that Wayne Bennett, being the senior figure, he would have been a part of the rules. Yeah, wouldn't have looked like he's it. just taking the piss. He looked. He honestly, the way he played it off was almost like he was a confused old man. He really played it off like just trying to play dumb. It's like, mate, you were there for all half the meetings. You implemented some of these rules. And the scarier part is, and again. Half of it's probably hearsay, but some mates that I know um, and some other people and the people you talk to, there's been a lot more people that have been spotted that probably haven't been ratted out yet. 
that you'd like to think about, which is the scarier part. Yep. And I'm not buying into that as bullshitter and you end up no, people I, I, I want to know, but, but I, I believe I yeah. believe the lady who saw him at Mars and Park, she doesn't even follow no. footy. Like she obviously knows who she is, but she only saw Wayne Bennett down at Mars and Park Assets. Well, so like, again, what? seen stuff straight away when this came out with people going, Well, I seen this many at a restaurant or I seen these couple doing this, you're like, Well, far out, you're lucky that probably something hasn't come out earlier, but yeah. Um, a few people played it off of the weekend that maybe, you know, when the rules got scaled back, like, they would have been notified about that. And this goes back to all the other issues we've had before where people go, there's not enough education, there's not enough this and that. Bullshit. We've been involved with clubs. We've both played. Yeah. We're still and involved And you know now. what the frustrating part is? Every smashed. time they do that, every smashed. time someone says that, there's more education. Yeah. Trust and me. people like me and you have got to sit through things for hours and hours and hours when we know the rules, when we follow the rules. Get it through your fucking head. Oh, God. Simple. So, like I said... Um, yeah, I, I think they've kind of mentioned that Pungai Jr. is going to get hit the heaviest today, which, again, I still find funny from the way it's escalated over the weekend. Just from the yeah. start, it should have been just heavy because the repercussions, like we said, at the end of the day, is the future of the game. Yeah, absolutely. The game's at stake. So would have liked to send a little more accountability, like you said, from all of them all around where at least, uh, say, Paul cops it on the chin and there was two others, Ponga. And a few others were mentioned to be at a restaurant, but they were doing a pickup, so they've been cleared. So Newcastle, happy there. And then they had two players mentioned after the weekend. Um, Nathaniel Sasagi and Stafford Tower actually played pretty well on the weekend. They've both been cleared now as well. So Both been cleared? They've been cleared. Okay. So as far as the details around that, didn't see a lot in it, but I saw a press statement not long ago from Newcastle saying that whatever potential breach they had, the club had reported it. It wasn't something that was discovered outside of it, and it's right. now been cleared, so... Luckily, we didn't end up with seven or eight potential breaches in one weekend. Yeah. But fingers crossed, this is the end of it. It's not going to be. Uh, I'll tell you now, like now that there's an appetite for people actually breaking it and for stories about people breaking it, you're going to get more. You know, it's more likely going to come from until the big F cases did with Vaughan and Pungo Jr. Clubs aren't going to be playing finals. But they're the ones you've got to worry about. Because yeah. if they do carry it... Well, or what they, they do should do is if they, they, if they get to a point team, where... You know, I'd say within the last month, just punt them for the year. Punt them out of the bubble. Just say, stay at home. You're losing your pay for the month. So that's, that's my bigger concern. If you're a team that's not in the finals and you've got players that are starting to be lax and you're playing teams that are in the finals, uh, why, like you said, New South Wales in particular is doing a good job tracing it. They've stayed out of Melbourne and Brisbane's got no cases. You just don't want to invite that risk at all. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, Dragons without a representative forward. Uh, Souths, I guess, not saying it's not a big thing, but I pretty much already know for the most part that Demetrio's, well, he basically almost is the head coach already. He's doing a fair bit of the hands-on stuff, so for them it probably wasn't a big thing, but it's just a really bad look on that side. And the Pungo Jr. one just reeks of stupidity. Yeah. But I also think, again, same deal on that. And from the start last year when people were talking about him, and I seen an article again yesterday that he was the Tamaloa heir apparent. Like, we spacked that last year massively. That was just stupidity. How he ever got paid or thrown up in that category after hitting... Tamalolo and a third man in tackle when he was already injured and suddenly he was getting talked about as a million dollar player. The consistency in his football yeah, uh, week to week never even fucking justified him being close. Yeah, let's not even get to on that. that. So that, that sort of things again. But um, yeah, the Broncos this week without plenty of staff, they're going to have Peter Gentle, the assistant, because Alfie, a couple of staffers, and now Seabold, who hopefully everything's all good with, has a, a, a personal matter or a family matter. Obviously, that's no one else's business and there's hadn't been a whole lot said about it and there's a lot of stuff lying around but well there's been a lot said about it nothing official hopefully uh, everything's all good on that front but he's now out of the bubble as well given mm. that situation so um, hopefully again going through a bit of a tough time as everyone is up there in Brisbane hopefully everything's all good but tackle two we have to talk about it 
Everyone's talked about it, sick of talking about it, but it is Britain. And we've got exactly what we've just said. Week starts off, you've got the stag situation, which, again, looks like it's gone the other way, and uh, she's released the video, and it's not on his side, so he's been all cleared, but they certainly... Well, it's dumb because he got filmed. He knew yeah. he was being filmed. He, so there's, that, that, that's the only error he's made. Like, it's just ridiculously stupid and it's a good lesson for every young player that you shouldn't be going anywhere near uh, incidents like that. Like, you know, what you do in your private life is up to you, but you shouldn't be filming it. Uh, so that's just the height of, height of stupidity. Mobile phones. Yeah, and... well, I just don't understand it. Yeah, you're inviting drama. And so especially that's how the week kicked off and it just got worse. Yeah. It's spiraled. They've had a bad performance again. You got the Pungo Junior situation, you had a couple of well, staffers. You, you, had, you had Seabold. Bennett, Bennett gets stood down, I think, on the the Wednesday before the Thursday match, and then you wake up Thursday morning and it was Alfie and one of the other staffers have been stood down. Um, and then the night of the game, obviously they got um, it was a Friday game. Obviously then they had their result, which was ordinary. And then they had the Seabold situation. And then Saturday you had the Pangai Junior situation. Like, it seems like there's there's not a, a, a probably a week or a day that goes by without some sort of minor issue or big issue coming out of Brisbane. And, and again, God, I pray that you know the rumours floating around are yeah. wrong and inaccurate, and that's why we're not going to address them until we yeah. have some sort of um, it's you know, all official uh, comment or yeah, the, the fact that that the information is factual, we're not going to deal on innuendo and rumour and we're not going to bring it up on the show, but uh, for most people within rugby league circles, you would have at least heard yeah. some of the rumour and innuendo, which, you know, if, if incorrect is terrible, but, Look, but also if it's true, it's, it's it's horrendous as well. Like, yeah. it's just, it's a really, really difficult situation for everyone involved. So, they're, they're just, like, you always think it's rock bottom, but it just keeps getting worse. Well, again, like, a lot of our stuff earlier on in comments and everything. And then you had Boyd as well. Throw Boyd on top of that. Says, I don't want to be a part of the leadership group. We base it off rugby league alone, but there's a lot more than rugby league going on up there right now. All this and, stuff. and look, all this behaviour is all below-the-line behaviour. It's, you know, Tavita Pangai's actions is about me. Alfie's actions is about me. Um, Boyd's actions, about me. Katoni Stagg's actions, to an extent, about me, and you know, you filming it. is about me. It's, there's no thought of repercussion for the club or the team. Um, and culturally, I, you know, without removing individuals, which is difficult to do within the current climate and the salary cap, etc., it's just going to be very, very difficult to write this culture problem at Brisbane. And the fact is, at the moment, they've got two cultures. They've got the culture that they think exists and the stuff that they write on the wall and the stuff that they, you know, probably have posters about in their dressing room and in their playbook and in their staff handbook and then they've got the culture that they actually live and it's all well and good to have all the good stuff written down on paper but your culture is what you're doing and what is happening and at the moment the culture at Brisbane is uh, ill-disciplined selfish it's every man um, for underperforming himself. and a bit of a blame culture so it's it's really really concerning and I I just don't know how how they get a positive out of this year mm. I went to it a few weeks ago, and again, it's hard when you say these things because people go, you know, name and this and that. I can't, but I know someone in the Brisbane setup, and I said the same thing to you. The two words that have been overused and everyone hates it is exactly that: selfish and individual. And regardless of the amount of talent yeah, that's the there or that, what's going who on, who you're that, talking to or whatever, he's saying that as well. He's like, good culture is you don't talk yeah, externally exactly. to people. That's my whole point. But yeah, it's just it could not be in a worse situation. But 
again, all this talk initially and all the bits and pieces, we're just addressing the playing style, the group, the coaching, but everything else externally now speaks to a much bigger problem at Brisbane than just coaching and players. Yeah. You got Paul White, who everyone's calling for blood, but he's leaving at the end of the year, so he doesn't really have to be accountable to anyone. He's on the way out anyway. So he's not addressing anything called fessing up or owning. A lot of people are unhappy with Carl Morris, Peter Nolan, the recruitment staff, the way this group's been put together and just everything that's going on. But this is more now than, like I said, just football and thoughts about what we actually want to talk about, which is rugby league and the on-field stuff. They have a complete club problem, it seems, from top to bottom. And this is bigger than just trying to fix a group problem on field or in the playing roster within the next 12 to 18 months. This looks right now like it needs to be burnt to the ground and completely redone from top to toe, which is scary. Because all this is not what we foresaw probably 12 to 18 months ago, but it's turned into an absolute clusterfuck. So talk now, obviously. Ben Eichen's been thrown up. Look at that which way you will. Obviously, part of that would obviously be getting pushed on the front of 360 and Kenny and a lot of guys around it, obviously, going the way we're talking about you know, ex-players and guys like that. Um, you know, he's been on QRL boards. He's been on the Queensland board. He seems like a very, very smart person. Is he the right person for the job? I don't know. He does speak very eloquently. He does seem like he's switched on. He's got ties to the club. He's, they always talk about ex-Broncos being the right people to get involved. Um, but yeah, as far I'm, not, as, I'm not sure that's the right culture. No, and I, it's what we always talk about, again, jobs for the boys culture, and yeah. bring Kevy back and do this. And that's not always the right way just to have your own people involved. But I think on Ben Eichen's side of things and without knowing... He's been on those other boards, and I definitely think he's one of the smarter people in Australia. He's, he's got hands-on applicable experience exactly. within that field. and that's the yeah. more important part to bring up in this. So um, if he does get brought in there, where else do they go from that? But I dare say that if he gets in there, all these people we've been talking about will not have jobs. There'll be a complete rebuild, and then there'll be a look in, as I've said, this group of players, regardless of talent, because it doesn't matter what anyone thinks, and they're saying, well, you're wrong on that. The talent there is a top-eight side. When individuals are selfish or have their own thoughts or a group separate, it doesn't matter what you put together. If you're not united as a whole, you're not winning anything. Exactly. And again, yeah. it goes back to it speaks to a bigger problem. But this now is looking like a much longer term. And again, project. We, I, you know, I, I started saying this six weeks ago. Just shut up. Yeah, they keep Stop talking. talking. They keep have leaking. one consistent voice. Mm. You know, whether it's Carl Morris or whether it's Paul White or whether it's Anthony Seabold. They leak like a sieve. And you've just got to have a consistent message coming out. Uh, and in, in particularly when things aren't going well, the less said, the better. There's no just demonstrate through your actions. There's no defending anything anymore in this situation. No. But I dare say, and again, regardless of thoughts on any player's coach, that my opinion now is everyone gets fired. This has to stop. This needs a complete clean-out. I don't think there's any way that this can be saved. It needs to be just swept. The whole place top to toe needs to be just from scratch. Yeah, whole new I, board, everything. It all just—it needs to be redone. I can't uh, again without being inside and knowing exactly what's going on. I can't. I can't defend anything anyone and anything within the Broncos organisation because it's just there's just nothing, nothing good coming out of the place. It's just absolutely spoiled. You would not, like I said, especially the backroom unbelievable. stuff. You yeah. wouldn't have picked this. Unbelievable. But yeah, right now um, we've talked about other clubs over recent years, and a lot like this is next level, absolute next level. Yep. So hopefully a bit of silence, and I highly doubt the results get better for the back end of the year, but we just need to, like you said, hear less regardless of the results for the rest of the season. They need to go into lockdown mode, go through whatever process they need to go through and start to fix things internally. But I highly doubt that we're going to have quite from the Broncos for the last six or seven weeks of the competition. Yeah, I just I don't so. understand how they just don't sit down, get every stakeholder in the room, 
and say, right, this is how this is our plan of attack for the next seven weeks. And I think Anthony Seabold hits you know, he hits Brisbane today, like back in Brisbane today. So, you know, even if you've got to do it via Zoom or however you've got to do it, here we go. Get every stakeholder in. How are we managing this situation? What is everyone's responsibility? Who is doing the talk publicly? And how are we going to get ourselves out of this? Because they look directionless at the moment. And that's that comes back to leadership. That comes back to people in those uh, positions of power uh, within the hierarchical structure of the club. And there's just no leadership there and there's just inconsistent messages. And it's better to have no message coming out than an yeah. inconsistent message. So someone's got to grab the bull by the horns here and stop listening to the external jibber-jabber. It doesn't matter. It's not, it doesn't impact what happens within the four walls. And if it does, again, that's a reflection on your culture. If you're jumping around at shadows that are you know, influencing you externally, um, you need to just be focused on what your job is at hand and get it done every day. And eventually good things will happen. But it just seems at the moment, it's, yeah, it's very selfish, very uh, protective of their own position and, and really lacking leadership. Well, we'll be speaking about it again next yeah. week, like, no doubt, because it's... And, you know, I apologise if people go, bloody hell, Brisbane again, but it is just... It is so relevant, what is happening there. And, and the way things you know, are growing up, I can remember... I was a Roosters fan growing up, and watching those teams, Broncos teams, like, the, the 2000 um, grand final, like, I think it was 14-6 full-time, but I went to that game. It was the first grand final I ever went to, and that, we were never in that game. Brisbane were just... Dominant. I remember. I think they played Parramatta the week before that in a preliminary final. I was just praying that they Parramatta beat Brisbane, so we didn't have to play Brisbane. We, you know, we used to play them every Good Friday, the Roosters, and we just we we just had such a terrible record, and they were such a strong team. Uh, and what they are now is just a shadow of their former self. They might have a, a way better facilities, and reputationally, they might be considered a stronger club. It me- but it means nothing because they're just fizzing on the field. We saw Penrith a couple of years and before no with the Centre of Excellence and all that going nowhere when that off-field dramas and bits and yeah. pieces. Yeah, and then this is the thing. I mean, if you can have all the fancy toys you want, but in the end, it's about how well you do those really basic fundamental things you and to how you behave. top to toe. Like you said, it all starts at the top and it flows through. Yeah. Stability in all positions yeah. flows through a rugby league club. Worrying. Yeah, there's six or seven weeks to go for Brisbane, and uh, I dare say we're going to be talking about a lot more. But, yeah, a lot of the stuff, like we said, we don't address. It's been flying around. A lot of people are saying in the next few weeks it oh, will. We'll address it when it becomes when formal. when it comes, if it does become formal, we'll deal with it then. But, uh, yeah, there's some very dangerous stuff flying around for Brisbane. So moving on from that, uh, it's probably a bit more positive news and actually back on talking some proper football. Tackle three. The appointments of Nathan Brown and Gus Gould at the New Zealand Warriors, I think... The way this has all kind of played out and the way it's ended up, in my opinion, is very good for the Warriors. And I addressed that on a couple of fronts, and I spoke about it at the start of the year in the circumstance that everyone's been hammering them. It's been brought up a little bit this weekend about, you know, the 20s going really hurt them and they don't do a good enough job and their own kids are not tough enough and they don't play in the Australian competitions, etc., etc., etc. Before all this even came about with Cameron George and the new owner, they link themselves with Redcliffe, which is immediately a good move. You get yourselves into a really strong Queensland Cup club. You get yourself a foothold in the Brisbane area. You probably link yourself to a couple of kids in that situation. So you got yourself on two fronts. It's close enough for them to base their side and get into a better competition and be more consistent. This year, SG Ball, we didn't get to play them. We got cancelled the week of in COVID times 
to go up against them. But it's the first Thank time God, they've been in fair, that competition. That's and for a team, again, saying that, you know, these kids don't play Aussie kids and they're not tough enough, I dare say they were probably close to the favourites, if not in the top one or two, uh, two or three teams to probably win SG Ball this year. There were some very talented forwards. They had a very good hooker, a solid fullback. But they're starting to plant themselves in the Australian pathways to do a better job with their juniors. They're starting to right the wrongs of what the under-20s cost them, which was basically been able to offer kids borderline semi-professional, if not professional, straight away. Because they had to fly every week, they had to travel. They were already in that system. And for a few years there, when they were winning those comps and playing in the 20s, they were supplying them all across the competition. Mm-hmm. And you look at your guys, like you see why Tokiahos, like, they're the guys that were produced out of that system. Your Conrad Harrell, Sean Johnson's, Ben Henry's, like, there's been plenty of Madalinos, Packers, they all come out of that system. So they're starting to rebuild that side of things. I think O'Sullivan now being there for 12 to 18 months, Everyone knows his background. Yes, there's been a, a couple of clouds over the top of it, but he's one of the best recruiters in the game. So he's sorting out their salary cap situation. And now you bring in someone like Brown, who's also very good in junior development and that side of the football they're looking to head in and building a roster, which probably doesn't need a whole lot of shaping. It definitely needs some tweaks. But you put those two together and then Gus on the separate side, which was the main thing I was concerned about, not being able to get his hands all over the actual football team and interfering or having any sort of issues that a lot of people would have worried about with Penrith, basically doing similar to what we talked about the other week with Volandis in the NRL. He's trying to align or work with Auckland Rugby League, New Zealand Rugby League and the Warriors who are all separate to set up an academy similar to Penrith and for the Pacific Nations all around to strengthen the game for the Pacific Nations, for New Zealand and for Rugby League in general. I just think across the board... Yeah, my understanding of Gus's job is, is he's not going to have anything to do with the NRL side. So the football team I think it's Nathan more Brown. a... It's a connected relationship, I guess, with the New Zealand Rugby League. Uh, development of Pacific Nations, Auckland, and then the Warriors. So and the Warriors will be the biggest can, benefactor. Yeah, if he can set up something similar to what he's done at Penrith. And look, I think it's overstated sometimes his role in... Uh, what happened at Penrith, you know, Matt Cameron was doing a fantastic job yeah. before Gus came on board and a lot of that stuff was set up, you know, via Matt through, you know, I think Matt's experience and he's got an extensive experience at Parramatta, you know, with the systems and he, you know, learned his craft under Brian Smith in those early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s at um, at the Eels and they've always had a fantastic development system and I was a part of that for two years so I can attest to that. Then having coached at Penrith uh, for that extensive period of time and, um, you know, seeing what Matt and Gus built and now looking at just they've got a consistent stream of players coming through. So I think he also And look, that's an everyday streams. thing. That That's an everyday thing. It's not just about, well, we'll set up an academy and then we'll do it for a few years and we'll get a good first-grade side, similar to what Penrith have got now, and then, we, and then you go away from your, nah. your structure. And you're looking at, you know, really looking at Parramatta probably three or four years ago, looking at Canterbury right now, uh, looking at Newcastle four or five years ago. They were clubs who probably got a little bit uh, or fell in love with their NRL side and the success and focus on their NRL side and really forgot about their junior pathways and looking after their junior pathways. And it got to a point where the good players coming through in those streams ran out. And then you find yourself in a position, well, twofold. A, you don't have the players to get results immediately. And B, you look through your pathways and go, well, we've got no one pushing through. No. So now we've got to go and pay That's money. A of years too. And we've got to pay overs. Like the Gold Coast are in that situation now. Like Holbrook, I've got no doubt, he's going to now put some streams through from a pathways perspective. But you look and you go, well, who's coming through? Brisbane. You know, they've got a lot of these good young players, but, you know, they're going to have issues. 
particularly when you're not having great results, players will look to go elsewhere. Uh, and I mean, the 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 kids within the Sydney Western, well, the Sydney Basin, and particular Western Sydney, are sport for choice because they can, within 30 kilometres, they can hit four or five different clubs. In the Brisbane Gold Coast area, obviously, it's one or the other. In North Queensland, it's sort of just only yeah, the one, isn't cowboy. it? And look, a lot of clubs have got their um, tentacles throughout different uh, catchment areas, which is fine. But, you know, I think the New Zealand Warriors are certainly a club that, for too long, and I think Nathan Brown really nailed it last night on 360. I saw him in his interview on 360 talking about the fact that for, for too long, the Warriors, the first taste of Warriors football for New Zealand kids was under 20s. And a lot of the other clubs, a lot of the NRL clubs club. were, well, not a lot of the other clubs were getting the jump saying, well, hey, come and play at the Roosters in the under 18s. And yeah. they were getting them before or they actually days. hit, they yeah, actually hit, um, hit the Warriors system. So, you know, I think the SG ball implementation is smart, but I also think they need to get back in the 20s comp as well. I think they, they essentially pulled out a flag to go into ball whether that was with a mindset of, well, we're going to go in ball for two years and then we're going to jump back into flag and try and well, I, build that pathway back up. I, I don't think it's feasible for him to be in 16s. No, I wonder... If, if they take kids before 16s, so be it. I wonder know. if Redcliffe, though, is not just for cup. I wonder if they get into the flag set up there and maybe push a few of their better kids maybe, out Maybe, but I mean, they're, they're going to have to live away from they have home. colts, I think, up there. So I don't know. I get all that. I get that. But I think that would be more for your Australian-based kids. Yeah. To recruit play them there, and then when they're good enough, move them across in, into that system. And, I mean, for the short-term vision at the moment, to be in Redcliffe is perfect because it looks as though, how, like, how long is this pandemic going to go on for? How long are we in bubbles for? How long are they over here for? So to have that system and that support network there is certainly going to be a good thing. Yeah. And, look, uh, Nathan Brown is proven within um, his record of just being able to build a club um, put in good systems and you know the roster he's built at Newcastle 90% of the roster that's there he's got his fingerprints all over and Gus has got again just a, a proven track record of being able to uh, put together a good pathway system so I think it's a I think it's a really smart um, employment decision by the Warriors and, oh. and I, I'd love to see him go well I also think to the what I spoke to of like you know when people go well Madge coaches a New Zealand team or a green I don't think they would fit the style uh, that would probably be needed for the Pacific Nations boys and some of the Kiwi boys and that kind to of have thing. a very good temperament to yeah. deal with. You know, and I deal with the majority of the boys I deal with at school within the Mount Druid area. A lot of those boys are Pacific Islander boys, mm. and they're not they're not different per se. But um, you know, there's there's those different idiosyncrasies within how you communicate with with kids of different cultures. The same mm. as adults. You don't, yeah. you don't you don't deal with every adult the same. You take into account who they are, where they're from, their background. It's no different when you're coaching players. But I just feel as though Nathan Brown's got a really... Um, well, two things. I think he's very calm. He's got a real calming influence. Mm. And, look, I think Madge is a perfect person to be the head coach of the New Zealand national side That's at the top level because up, he's like, just... Yeah, he, yeah, they've got those skills. But I think Nathan Brown's proven as, as an educator. Like, he can build rugby league intelligence in players and bring them through... And he's also seems to have that uh, caring and nurturing sort of uh, temperament about him, which I think would be perfect. Uh, so look, I think it's well good on the Warriors. And look, what Gus is going to do, he's going to ensure that there's more players playing rugby league in New Zealand. That's not just going to benefit the Warriors; that's going to benefit the game. There's right. going to be more players, as they said, similar to what Penrith have done, pumping players out. We're going yeah. everywhere, and Parramatta did it for years. 
they want to get to a point where it not only benefits the Warriors, and that's mm. the main benefactor, but it benefits the international game, the Pacific Nations, and you see well, more and you want to look Pacific holistically. Nations players everywhere. How is this going to... It's going to benefit the game. It's going to benefit every player in rugby league because if you want to expand, you need more players. Mm. The only way to expand is to have more players and develop more players. If we expand and get an extra TV time slot, there's going to be more money. Everyone's salary is going to go up. Mm. So I think on all fronts, this is That's good. why I think the wider conversation, every club should be pushing to develop quality players, whether they end up playing for you or not. Like, look at Penrith now. There's going to be no doubt four, five, six of those good kids at Penrith go elsewhere, but that's only because they can't fit them all in at Penrith. But they're still developing NRL-caliber yeah, players. Coming. Yeah. There's more coming. I think every club should have that I think um, the good thing here, like I said, philosophy. they've covered all bases. I think they've got the right sort of coach for the situation they're in. They need to make a couple of moves, yeah. nothing major. He's a proven operator. He's good for that group. You've got Peter O'Sullivan, like we said, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. He's one of the best recruiters in the game. Their salary cap situation is well under control. The new owner seems very, very keen to succeed and back them. And he even said himself that initially, when he wasn't interested in the job, then Peyton pulled out and there's a few things swirling around his head that he basically rang and addressed any concerns he did have, and before you know it, within 24 hours, he was on board. Mm. And then you've got Gus, like we said, who, if separate from the club and not having any of those issues or first questions I kind of had with, as to his role, if he's separate from those guys, not separate in the fact that they wouldn't use him or speak to him, but if he's more to do with pathways, junior development, and fixing those three separate entities and getting more of a streamline into the Warriors, they're working on all the areas that needed to be addressed. So mm-hmm. there's some real positives here moving forward for the Warriors, that's for sure. And there's some good things we've seen this year uh, in terms of a couple of players. And there's some green shoots shooting through, and there's a couple of guys that haven't played yet in that 18th team. Like we said, they're probably a year or two away, but if they keep working with that group, what we saw, uh, I dare say they'll get a couple more players out of that group. And they've already got some big names that have been spoken of. The Jack DeBellin one I find interesting for a lot of clubs to be interested with that not even being sorted yet, but he'd be a hell of a recruit if he's healthy and anywhere near the player he was, I think they also mentioned Oliver Gildart, who he's obviously seen a bit of in the Super League. Uh, I probably haven't seen as much of him as what you would have. They've mentioned Aitken, who's off contract. Well, yeah, Gildart played well in the uh, World Cup final. If you go back and watch that game, mm. he was probably um, England's best player in that match. So, yeah, I've got no doubt he can he can hit it. He's probably at the peak of his powers as well. I think it's a good time for some of those English guys to look to come over because... Yeah, with what's going on, yeah, that's for the sure. UK is certainly in a much worse position than what we are and funding's been cut, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no better time than the present to sort of look to come uh, to the NRL and there's no doubt he could handle it. The, the good thing about um, Gildard is he's a, he's a physical type player. He's not a finesse player. Like, you've seen... Too many um, of the English Callum players. Callum Watkins come over and he was at the back end of his... Yeah, off his, an ACL. Yeah, but he was sort of he was past his best physically, uh, whereas Gildart is at the peak of his powers, and you know I think he'd he'd suit the Australian style of, of play. Yeah, well, some good recruits, good moves all around, shoring up the whole club, and hopefully within the next 12, 18 months we start to see, like we said, some real positive signs, some good development, yeah. some more signings, and the pathways start to solidify. I think the biggest question, like you mentioned, and we can't really talk about it or answer it right now, is where they're based next year. But they've got someone who's on board and based in Australia. They might be in Redcliffe. They might be over there. I think their bigger issue is those few guys that obviously have gone home, you know, six months down the track if we're starting pre-season or where we get to, are they able to come over with their families? Are they keen to get on board and be in a bubble? Or not so much in a bubble, even if things are normal in Australia, like they're in 
a bit more normalised, but you know, just based here. That, that's probably the bigger question for them moving forward to next year. If they if, are they going to be short a couple of players again if this situation continues? Yeah. So, uh, good signs for the Warriors, hopefully. And we've got a few listeners who have been frustrated for a while. Some really good people that support that club. Fingers crossed. Uh, it's all positive from here on. And they've played great the last few weeks. After us, even probably thought they were going to shut down. They've proved a lot of people wrong. So, yeah. good signs. Uh, Cleary, tackle four, and his comments, the $20,000 fine, pretty uh, quick to jump on, and he's been shut down by the NRL and Abdo and Peter Volandis, and then last night there was a bit of a split argument, I think I saw this morning, between Hooper and Kenty and a few other people about the comments and their thoughts around it. To me, you know, was it calculated or like people saying, oh, you didn't blow up and go off the handle like we've seen to Desi or Ricky and all that, kind of slid it in there, I I think it's more more a big thing when a coach makes a comment, even when they've won, mm. more so than a loss. And I'm not saying you're more justified to do it. Do I agree with what he said? Yeah. Like, I thought there was a few calls that I didn't really agree with, but at the same time, I don't think it's the worst blow-up I've ever heard. And whether people, again, say, oh, it was more calculated because they did get the result. You can't talk about refs, so you can't really talk about the game, but it's, I definitely don't think it's anywhere near as bad as what's been made out. I think there's a lot worse cases in the past where we've had blatantly out and out, uh, you know, a shot called at a referee or a lot more. And, and there's still other press conferences where I could watch most weekends and find a comment that if you want to just say you can't talk about the refs or make any comment or anything that's even remotely linked to them, you could find other people. Yeah, agree. I, I, I don't really When, when I listened to it, I, uh, I honestly didn't think it was that bad in the context of the whole press conference. So I would encourage anyone who... Uh, really wants to have a strong opinion on it to go and watch the whole press conference. Don't just go off the snippet that you see on, um, you know, a lot of the magazine shows. Um, I, the, the question, if you listen to the question, the question was, you know, there, there were a few dodgy calls, etc. Cleary should have said yes. Yeah, there were a few dodgy calls. Agree. Move on. When he elaborated, that's when he got himself into trouble. That. What Cleary had to say should have been done in private, should have been done via a phone call. I just don't understand, particularly when you've won eight in a row, why you... Why would you... You know, it was a slip of the tongue. And, I, you know, I heard people saying, well, it's it's more calculated because it's after a win. I, I, I don't necessarily think to question the integrity of a referee, regardless of whether it's a win or a loss. I think it's more about the comment, not about the context. So... Yeah, from my end, I just, I really, uh, I, I thought it just wasn't needed. He didn't need to say that. I mean, the no. question certainly didn't lead him there. The question allowed him to just agree and move on and then have that conversation behind closed doors. Like, he could say to Graham Annesley, pick up the phone and go, mate, they're fucking managing teams back into the game. There was A, B, C, D, E penalty given at this point in the time, in this context of the game. As have a look at that vision. You know, I, you know, I thought there were a few dodgy calls, no doubt about it. Yeah, then get back to me. And that's done via a private conversation and he can vent his frustrations as he would like within his relationship with, you know, the officials and Graham Annesley. And I think he would have got more done doing that. It would have been a more effective way of, I guess, expressing it and trying to actually have something proactively done, whereas now it's it's going to be played out in public. I, yeah, so that, that's, that's my take on it. Do I think it's the worst crime in the world? No, but I, I do think that... We need to be very careful about the comments we make regarding officials, despite the fact that I agree that there are a few calls there that were wrong. But then, and let me say this: wrong via my interpretation. Yeah, 
that doesn't mean that I'm right. No. You know, it, it just by my interpretation of the game, and I don't have a dog in the fight, but I, I did think that particularly the first Penrith try, uh, the first Raiders try, I, I thought it was crazy that they awarded that a try. The second Raiders try, I couldn't believe, went up as no try because I thought that was a slam dunk try. The, the Rapana challenge I thought was ridiculous because there's always momentum in that tackle. Um, you know, and then you had an issue where Caleb Aikens gets tackled and a third man jumps in exactly the same as what happened with Liam Martin. It wasn't penalised. It was given a set restart, apparently. So, they, look, there were a few calls there that went against Penrith. It didn't influence the game. No. Uh, to be managed back into the game, I'm not sure what he, what he exactly means by that anyway. So, again, it would have just been something better said privately. Yeah, and I think you're better off using it in a way of, you know, maybe going, well, we're up 24-0 at half time. We didn't score a second-half try, and regardless of what you thought about the referees, might have been a good time to, instead of kind of turning it that way... They did score a second-half try, didn't they? No, they kicked two penalty goals. Okay. Could have put it more to the playing group as to, you know, we may have been on the back foot or felt like some things went against us, but we need to show more resilience. So I think there was a good opportunity there after eight in a row to go that way rather than give the players or everyone, again, as a whole, to think that, you know, they kind of went after us. Yeah. in the second half or we didn't get the rub of the ground in the second half because we're doing well and we're winning and it felt like they'll manage back into the game. But I think part of this also probably comes back to the issue last year and him being fined or things being highlighted when they had that stoush in the tunnel, wasn't it, where apparently he spoke to a ref yeah, but he yeah. didn't speak to a ref. So I think he might be under the spotlight a bit more for that reason. I don't think the comments were that bad, but I think this is now more the fact that it's probably a second time in 12 months that he's brought himself. Yeah. But they don't really need it, like you said. You're winning, you're doing well. I would have taken that as a little more of a snippet to say we need to be better. We blew them off the park in the first half. Second half, regardless of how things went against us, we need to be better. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't think it was as big a news story as what it was made out to be, but yeah. Tackle five, just a bit of a coaching update. We obviously know the musical chairs have been sorted out with the New Zealand Warriors. Brown, uh, after being out of the loop, more so. And again, he, he, a lot of people go, that was weird. I don't think it's that weird. He... He's moved around plenty. He's settled in Australia. I think he said he's got daughters who are in year 11 and 12. They're, they're, I thought I heard the other week on Triple M, he's building a house. He was just starting to get stable again. So this is a big move, and especially in COVID time as well. Is he going to New Zealand? Are they staying here? Are they based in Australia? Like, there was a lot more to it, and he obviously had some concerns behind the scenes that he mentioned that he addressed with the owner. But, you know, initially I'm not surprised he was trying to stay in Australia. Mm. He's just got his roots really back in here the last couple of years, and he probably doesn't want to uproot his family and potentially, I don't have kids, but 11 and 12 on reflection right now, if our dad or mum would have said, oh, we're going here, like that's not really the greatest time to be moving. No. You're at the peak of your powers as far as getting around, starting to become an adult, independence, your friends, drive it. Like it's, it's a hard situation. But um, that one's been sorted. He's on board. We all kind of thought last week that Todd Payton would almost be a slam dunk for the Cowboys job if he was willing to knock that one on the head, despite obviously some family reasons for him wanting to come back to Australia. But... The mail that was kind of floating around during the week is that Anthony Griffin is uh, right up there for the inside running and that Peyton's no shoe-in. So that's interesting. Uh, mm. In itself, Riles has apparently ruled himself out of the job. So whether that well, I'd means... be shocked if uh, Peyton wasn't at least... Um, He'd have to be in the mix. Well, no, at least an assistant coach there. So if he doesn't you get the head he'd coach... he'd come back role, and assist again? Yeah, definitely. He's, he's, gonna, he's moving here for family reasons anyway. Well, he said he'd stay there. Regardless, if you know nothing was open, beside so I don't know. Yeah, I think now Nathan Brown, he'll bring his own stuff. Yeah, sure. I would. I would think that they'll let Peyton out of his contract, unless he wants him to be there and he doesn't have somebody. Unless go, it's amicable. Know. But I think Brown basically said yesterday. I think as much that he'll get to put his own staff together. So yeah. interesting to see uh, moves he makes on that front. But 
Yeah, Griffin was the name that was thrown up in Rolls, as we said. He's linked to English rugby with Eddie Jones. I was kind of surprised, just given the whole situation, like I said, and the potential that Bellamy retires in 12 months. Does he get that job, or does he interest in a job here, or the Dragons' job being a former player? I, I don't know, but that was kind of the the murmurs that were getting around, that Griffin's right in the running along with Payton. It's no slam dunk for Todd Payton to get that job. So, mm. um, And the other one we've got now is the Dragons' job. Surprise, surprise. First he was gone, then things went quiet for a couple of weeks, and now after a couple of close results, it's back on the agenda. They've addressed it, that apparently they're going to be talking about it at the board meeting again. Buzz come out last night, mate, and said he doesn't think that Paul McGregor will be there after this week's game against the Parramatta Eels. He's lost the senior players, the board split, and Mary's in trouble. Mm. And I think on that we front... We said he was well, 90% certain as well, I think. You're never really in a great position when, you know, again, you're getting reliable feedback from people and mail and everything swirling around that, you know, he's not picking the team. He's already basically on the outer. Flanagan's already got his fingerprints already over it um, when you're still in the, in, in the job. It's not really a great situation to be in. You've basically almost been managed out of your own position regardless of the results and what the players think of you when you've already got assistance, uh, you know, part of team selections and coaching and you don't have any re- control probably the last two years or as much control with Millwood and the board and the recruitment and juniors and re-signings like I think it, we all kind of knew that writing was on the wall. The bigger factor, and this was probably what I mentioned at the start of the year, that they had a clause similar to one that Manly had with Barrett where they can't terminate him until December. So even if they announce it or he moves on now, he'll probably be paid up until then. They won't have to pay him beyond that. The question is who gets the job. And they keep talking louder and louder that Flanagan's pushing for reinstatement, but I thought that was already knocked on the head. Mm-hmm. And after multiple infringements, so I don't know why for anyone we'd be making an exemption for Shane Flanagan. No, uh, uh, no, absolutely not. I agree. It's you know he's not a one-time offender. He's not exactly a clean skin. And I, I gave him all the credit in the world for what he did at the Sharks because it was blood, sweat, and tears. They were lowly funded. They didn't have a great junior setup, and under his watch, they did some absolutely outstanding things. And he left the club in a really great spot. But mm. you still can't turn away from the fact that he had inf- multiple infringements, and then he had me, you know, the one that got him eventually done in the end. Why he was banned again? Yeah, I'm sorry to say. So, you know, salary caps, the SARDA scandal, like this, you know. You cheated while he was suspended and cheating. And you've breached while you were under so, it, you know. So. No dice. I don't know what the best way for them forward is. And again, there's been links to the fact that they like an old boy. Would Riles do it? There's still nothing as to what his future is for now. It seems like he's going to rugby. Still with Eddie Jones. Fitzgibbon's been mentioned, but you'd be one of the best paid assistants in a great situation at the Roosters. Do you really want that job? Yeah. Do you think that's the best way to start off right now? Are the club's in a good enough position? If you've got potentially those guys as your assistants and if they tell you that Millwood's in control, because I still don't agree with a lot of what Millwood's been doing. No. So if I'm Fitzgibbon right now, I wouldn't want that job either. So the real there's, there's a real question mark that if they can't get Flanagan registered and McGregor is moved on, who is going to take the Dragons job? <sighs> so... Interesting times. Ahead. I'm not sure there's anyone internally, like unless it's Craig Fitzgibbon. I, there's no one really externally that I sort of go brawls, I guess. Again, though, I, I just don't, I don't, you brought it up to me the other way, though, and I, I don't know if it is the case, but he's been kept at Melbourne after playing, and he's been elevated pretty quickly into roles. So clearly, he's doing something well. If Bellamy does go in 12 months, like I don't really, he's look, the one I'd keep. I don't yeah. really look out there and go, oh, they're going to bring somebody else back, or they're going to bring back a disciple, or there's someone they're really interested. The fact that he's in the position he's in now, and he's that well respected, and he's been, you know, pretty well spoken of. Like I, I tend to think that maybe if that was the case, that he'd be bang up for that opportunity, that he'd be one of the first ones to get a crack. Mm. So, 
Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but they're, they're probably the most uncertain right now if they can't get Flanagan as to who their coach is going to be. Yeah. If one of those two guys is not keen. Tackle six, final one. Just the latter, I guess. A couple of weeks ago, we had a look. There was a bit of a log jam. There was a bit of a tussle going on. We had potential for teams to kind of fight their way back up in, but with the results and the way things have panned out, the last couple of weeks, everyone is basically two wins out of the bottom of the eight, and the only one still realistically in touch with the fact that you've got to keep winning, but teams in front of you need to lose are Manly, who are two out of the eight. The Warriors have gone on a little bit of a run here to bring themselves back closer to the bottom of the eight, but you look at their run home, they've still got to play Penrith, Parra, a couple of teams. It's pretty hard to see them catching up two wins and everyone in front of them losing mm. to drag themselves in front. Newcastle, who are on the edge, bring in Green. They look like they've stabilised pretty well. South, you know, still been a bit hot and cold, but they're getting the wins they need to get. The Sharks, are, as we said before, knocking off the teams they need to knock off. Another close result on the weekend, but um, I think at the moment, and the Tigers run home from ninth, is definitely not looking that crash hot and a bad result on the weekend. It's pretty hard to see anyone from 10th down pushing their way in as far as Tigers, Warriors, who are the only ones probably within the two wins, Titans, Dragons, etc., are still too far away. It realistically looks now like the top eight is sitting there and the only team who can really drag themselves in is Manly. And Manly just keeps getting worse with injuries. Okay. You lose Vanilla Blake on the weekend. The back rowers both pull out. There's talk that Tapout might not be ready to go this week. Turbo was all talk. It was around 14, 15. We're getting to that point now, and they're saying that they're only just about to move on to the next phase of his rehab. So if they've got any more injuries or are on the back foot for any longer, they could fall out of the, the bottom end of the eight. It could get away from them as well. Yeah. This, this could be sorted in the next week or two. Maybe it's not. Maybe there is a couple upsets and a couple of those teams drag themselves back in. But the way it looks right now. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, it looks pretty much like the year before where we had the top eight sorted pretty quickly. One thing is for certain, that's that the top four or five are certainly locked in. As well, if you have, if you have sort of um, Manly lose and Cronulla Rabbitohs and uh, win, you, you're going to have a three-point gap for potentially a four-point gap with um, six games to play. Mm. So it will be sorted. It will be sorted. Yeah, it's getting to that point, isn't it? With some results. Who did Manly run into this week? Did you say Newcastle? There you go. Like Newcastle beat Manly this week. Um, yeah, you got McDonald Jones. Cronulla Stadium. play the Titans. Those players out. Rabbitohs play the Cowboys. You could very well see a four-point gap by the end of this week. Yeah, certainly sorted itself out the last few weeks quicker than expected. It looked mm. like there was a bit of a logjam, but it's been pretty well quelled. So. Uh, yeah, I think now we know the top three, as we said. The Roosters got that win on the weekend. The Raiders had a loss, so that dragged themselves in the fourth. And I think on four and against, they've also got themselves in a better position now. They've got that two-point buffer head-to-head. And they potentially get Melbourne this week with no Munster, no Smith. It is Tuesday now. We're not going to have the lineups until four. It's about 2.30 now. Yeah. But I dare say that the Roosters, from all words I'm hearing, are going to get back Jared and a couple other troops. We're on the flip side. Melbourne are definitely without Smith and Munster. So you think that's a good opportunity for them. Mm. And I think the other thing for Manly, 
that I looked at within that bottom of that log jam, their for and against also, I think, is not as great as the two teams in seventh and eighth. So not only just results, but if they're equal with, say, a Souths or Cronulla, was it? I think the difference is like 90 points. Yeah. So there's, there's a bit of for and against there that they need to make up as well. Not just on that, they, they definitely need to keep winning. So they need bodies back. It really may come down to that this year that they just don't have the bodies. So there you mm. go. There's a set of six for this week. Let's jump into the power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. If you want to get a system, summer is coming. It's not too far away now. Get on board, get yourself a system, do yourself a favour and help your back pocket. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar experience. When it comes to tackling your bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call 1800 20 today or visit au for more. We had a couple of uh, Queensland customers who are looking for recommendations, and as always, if they can't help you, they'll definitely recommend somebody. So they recommended for a couple of our customers there some reliable sources or some good people. So even again, if you're not in the Western Sydney or greater kind of Sydney area and you're looking for a hookup or you're looking for a recommendation on who is somebody good to come do a quality job for you, let us know and we'll uh, speak to the boys there at Penrith Solar Centre. Yep. Power rankings, number one, Brock, the Penny Panthers. Panthers. No explanation needed. Number two, still ticking along nicely despite missing troops, the Melbourne Storm. Storm. Number three, scrappy on the weekend, but again, um, Paramount. No, I got the Roosters. You got the Roosters? Yeah. All right. I think I got them still at four. They've been winning despite missing those bodies. I, I think Parramatta have been scrappier than the Roosters, to be I, fair. Yeah, I dare say when they get some troops back in the next couple of weeks, the Roosters will jump straight back up, probably mm. into two or three for me. But uh, i got the Eels at four. The main thing is the Roosters just keep winning. Mm. Uh, Newcastle, I've bumped straight back to five. No, I've got the Raiders still. I didn't lose any um, admiration for them out of the Penrith game. I just think um, there's... But I've got Newcastle at six. Yeah, I just thought they were missing something. And again, we've talked about all those hookers going, but men spent enough time in the last couple of years covering all these positions that the balance, I think, that Green now brings as far as kicking game and control just freed up uh, man to play a simple game and get forward over the advantage line and let Ponga go back to being what he should be, which is a running threat first, not a half, which he's trying to be. Six, I've got the Raiders like you, but again, those two interchangeable. Lost no respect, but it's been a real tough six or so weeks. No, 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 I've got... You've you've got Raiders six, I've got them five. Yeah, I just um, think... I've got Knights six and you've got... Raiders 6. This is a really good week for them to go home because they've had a real tough run. They get Brisbane at the best of times, I think. So I expect to see the best of Canberra this week. Number 7. 7 Rabbitohs, but... Yep. Yeah. It was was an okay win, but they've still got some improvement there. From 6 down, I'm really just unconvinced with everyone. Yeah. Uh, Sharks at 8. Yeah, I left them at 8 as well. Um, They haven't haven't beaten the top 8 time. Yeah. I mentioned as much the other week when people said, why don't you have them in or the Tigers? Because they're not getting those wins. I still think... Head-to-head, though, I'd take the Sharks right now. Yeah. So, yeah. there you go. Mate, the Titans beat the Sharks this week. I'll put them in my power rankings next week. <laughs> It'll be two in a row for the Titans. Uh, good times. And two close results against Penrith and the Roosters. Jumping in the reviews of the games from the weekend, the Roosters, Dragons. Uh, I had night shift, so to be honest, I only saw 10, 15 minutes of this. But the well, pits... again, it was a game Dragons sort of gave away. Uh, they were strong. Tokiaho was a difference. Massive metres, was dominant. Uh, and Kiri just finishing off, uh, whereas the Raiders, uh, sorry, the Dragons in key positions really struggled. Um, what do you think? The, of... the, I just found really strange they they kept letting the ball bounce at fullback. 
Dufty. There was yeah, oh, just Dufty, and there were a few kicks that sort of didn't make it to the fullback, and just some errors on kick reception, which just really hurt them. But you think lack of communication or lack oh, of confidence? Oh, lack of both. Who's claiming both. football and both? Well, it kills your set starts. It was messy, it? man. It was really, really messy. Game they could have won. Uh, Kiri and Tokiaho, the difference, no right. doubt. Zach Lomax, that's probably the best game I've seen him play in first grade. He was nothing short of dominant. He was great. Uh, My real question here for you, and I know a lot of people last week flipped their lid about Flanagan. I think Robinson spoke very well in the Flanagan situation, and, you know, it's his first full season. He needs a bit of a week or two off. You can't really put him in cup. I, I think it is a mix of both. I don't think it's just a straight-up dropping. I think that's part not... of it's a rest. I think part of it's to have a look at Lamb and get him some game time while they're getting a lot of these guys some extra game time. What did you think of Lamb? I, I didn't get to see it. I, I thought I'm going to watch okay. it. But I think okay. of the two, he's probably... But whoever's in there, they're the fourth string. Yeah. You're not Tedesco, you're not Fran, and you're not Kiri. So kick well, tackle well, they're probably the two things that they really, really need to do. Well, and just be a good ball f- distributor. If there's nothing on, if a short pass is an on-run, and if you've got Tedesco sweeping at the back or you've got Tedesco available in space, giving the ball. It's that simple, that role. So, look, I really think they're just going to have to find, A, probably who defends better, and B, who's in better form. Like I, I, It's a split hair between... Well, I think Lamb, um, you're getting more of a runner and probably blokes. more of a physical player. I think Flanagan, you're getting more of a kicking game. Better goal kicking. And a bit more finesse. And, yeah, obviously your goal kicking option because I think with Tokyo, once you bring back that rotation, you're not going to make him play eight every week. Yeah. So you're probably looking what's more important to you. Uh, do I, or do I have another reliable goal kicker? No, in, in big end games, you need a you know 80 to 90% goal kicker. And I know a lot Especially of people... when the Roosters aren't going to be able to rely on that dominance like they really have in the last few years where they can just blow teams away. Mm. A lot of people, again, statistics are dangerous in the wrong hands. A lot of people speak to, oh, Flanagan's numbers for his assist have been bad. And yeah. this, I'm like, well, he plays with Kiri, Tedesco. For, like, they're not re- reliable on just one person. And you, you, again, like you're saying, probably more of a third wheel in yeah. that situation right now, whether you're Lamb or whether you're Flanagan. The number one ball handler is Luke Kiri. The number two ball handle, the guy who's touching the ball the majority of the second times and he's playing a lot more first and second receiver is James Tedesco. Yeah. So that person who's playing on the right-hand side is more what you said before. Make your tackles, be reliable in kick games and take your opportunities. And in all honesty, the bits and pieces I saw beforehand of Flanagan in games was he was doing his job. Yeah. He wasn't outstanding, but again, I thought he was doing what he needed to do. I think Lamb will do exactly the same thing, but just bring more, I guess, physicality and more of a running game as compared to the finesse uh, and the goal kicking of Flanagan. They're two different players as far as halves are concerned. But yeah. um, I think the bigger thing for them is Jared, Crichton, Cordner, both Morris's two bow. Like they've been playing with a lot of guys. They've been shifting people all over the field. Satili Tupanur has proved his value uh, to me to be through the roof during this period of time and how good of a footballer he is. But the main thing is, like we said, they're chalking up wins. They're getting themselves in a really good position. And if they get six or seven guys back healthy on the back end here, despite the injuries they've had beforehand, they're going to be in a real good position to push in the finals. Mm. Uh, Dragons, this was pretty much, again, the final nail in the coffin, I guess, for any chance they had for the bottom of the eight. Yeah, I think they're gone. So, yeah, they're gone. I, yeah, I, I really, I find it really hard to decipher the Dragons. Tell you one thing I did I say. The biggest problem with the Dragons is they're just internal in the commentary around the Dragons, consistently talking about coaches and instability and boards and players yeah. and hookers and contracts and they're just one of those yeah. clubs aren't they that just always seem to have some sort of dialogue around them and uh, when things aren't going that well too much noise there's just a lot of noise and no doubt a lot of the players there have underperformed this year Jackson Ford tell you what you get a run McGregor had McGregor's had seven years seven years it's time 
it's yeah, it's probably it's well and probably time. time. But, but my biggest concern is just making sure that whoever you're bringing in is better than what you've got. Mm. Don't just do it for the sake of doing. Don't it. do it just because you, you feel as though um, you need to. Make sure you've got the right person lined up. Um, it's also going to be difficult at the moment for Paul McGregor to be working with Flanagan when there's all this commentary around Flanagan taking over if he gets the punt. It's a very because for situation. me, if you walk into a you know a postseason review with the football manager or the CEO or whoever's whoever's conducting the the end of season reviews, and you think that Shane Flanagan's going to be your next head coach, surely he's having a lot lot to do with the side now. And, and it's not it's not working. It's not making a huge difference. So, you know, that, that's probably part of it where I've got an issue as well. And if you feel as though things should be done better than what they've been doing now, have you communicated that to the coach and how did that go? Has it been, been implemented? So, yeah, I, I really find that this one difficult with Flanagan. I, you know, you keep hearing every week he's having more and more control, more and more influence, and the results aren't improving. No, and again, they're picking the team as a whole, which means McGregor's basically got a one-in-four vote. They've made changes already. They've already got their fingerprints all over the roster, and he's had a lot taken out of his hands, like I said, with Millwood, who, to me, still yeah. needs to be more accountable. And I said it the other week, the re-signings recently, and everyone's calling for change in that, there's moves happening everywhere on the market. Yeah. And they're locking up Ravalawa for three years and Josh Kerr for three years, and I don't think these are guys that other people are kicking the door down to take from them. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're okay players. They're developing into good first graders, but... Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying you just shit can the whole roster, but there definitely needs to be better management of that list. Yeah, it no, seems no. like they're just holding on to a lot of what they have and not a whole lot's changing. Mm. And they've made mistakes, like we said. Bringing Norman straight in for Widot was a mistake. They're already trying to get themselves out of that, and they probably overpaid, as I said, a couple of years ago from 6 to 13 initially when they just loaded up with that forward pack with Frizzell, who's now moving on, and they paid a squill for Hunt and Widop, who then, like I said, was rolled in with Norman instead. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions there to be answered moving forward. But uh, Jackson Ford could definitely get a run in a Premier League club with that sliding tackle. Dear yeah, Lord, it was he absolutely me. smoked him. The one thing I didn't say, I don't know if you did, a lot of people apparently were not happy with the Ryan Hall tackle. They Someone... Yeah, where he knee rolled. I didn't oh, think that was I much. I didn't say it, but yeah, there was a bit of uh, commentary around that, and some people weren't happy, thinking he deliberately tried to twist his knee. So I have to watch that. Um, but yeah, moving on from that one, Warriors up against Manly. Um, full credit to full credit to the Warriors. Absolutely outstanding. Poor conditions, bucket down at Brookvale. Difficult place to go. They just blew them off the park early. They jumped out to an early lead. Kicked very well in the conditions. I thought they rolled fairly easily upfield, which was the scarier part. And um, losing Adam Fanua Blake 20 minutes in certainly didn't help. But I think the biggest thing here of concern is that all the points for Manly were scored with two sin bins. And if you said to me again, no, I think they scored one try with um, with the Warriors having 13 players. Mm. So basically, which was the last try. The two best periods of the game though were against 12 men. Well, what's concerning is you're at home. Yes, yeah. wet weather conditions. Um, and you've played a team who had two sin bins. Yeah. No excuses. No. Zero. Sorry, no excuses. Zero. And again, like I said, I know the back row is pulling out and a couple of injuries hurt, but the Warriors have got a couple of internationals who are going home. They've got two guys loaned in from Parramatta. You've got Hetherington from Penrith. They've had a lot of changes. Blake Green moves on this week, and there was plenty going on about that. But they just, Mate, they're almost the replacements. They just keep moving forward. They look like the replacements, and they're playing without much care, and they're just a dangerous side to run into at the moment. I've said it last week and I'll say it again. I love the back row. Yeah. Jazz Tavunga coming back in is a massively underrated player. That He's just got grit. 
toughness, his relentless, his ability to offload and just stand in tackles. Tohu Harris's form now that he's healthy has just been absolutely through the roof. Mm. Um, he was my man crash when he was at Melbourne, and I wish he never would have left, but he's been great. Katoa, as we said before, the development that's going to keep coming there. But uh, I think Tavita Harris, first game, acquitted himself well. Him and Nick Arima worked out quite good as a combination. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they just keep on turning up. And I think Hetherington, scary part, as we said before, and plenty of good judges coming through, that he's got the potential to be just about anything. But I don't know if he can get the shit out of his game. Mm. And that's probably the longest run he's had in first grade without being suspended. Now he's up for five games. I think they're going to take the early guilty plea and he's going to get four. And I, if that's not a send-off, I don't know what it is. It goes back to what we spoke about a million times before. Mm. You shouldn't get an advantage, basically, from taking out an opposition player. That already lost Adam, which hurts, but then he KOs Tapau and he's not coming back in the back end of the game where he was really critical in getting me on the back of that game and getting some go forward and you know, he goes for ten but Tapau doesn't come back. And you're down, like you said, both your props and your back row. Like they they were pushing shit uphill from that point on. Yeah, hard to hard to disagree. But what about his track record? I, I said it I was wondering the other day and I heard the stat finally. I, from memory he's been charged a squillion times already. He's played twenty two games, he's been the judiciary six times and charged already. Yeah. Like that's almost one in three or one in four games. Every one in four games you're going there for a visit. So you want to talk about again like being a victim, like clean it up. Yep. Or people going, Control Oh, you know, it. you're like, Well you don't go that many times for no reason and the biggest thing is loading and that <sighs> puts you in a worse position just for minor incidents. So he needs to have a real, real clean 12 months. And I don't know where he ends up because as far as I'm concerned, I don't think Penrith have just loaned him out for the sake of loaning him out. I, I don't think he'll be at Penrith. I, yeah, me. I think no, a lot I, of people had heard no, no. probably similar 12 months ago about some off-field stuff and some dramas. And I think they looked at moving him to Canberra or a few other places and nothing really eventuated. But I don't think he'll be there. And I think whoever gets him, he is a very, very good player when he's you know played the sort of football he has and he brings a bit of mojo and lots of aggression and energy, and he's done a good job for the Warriors, but can you rely on him? Mm. Can he get that part out of his game? Because right now, with that sort of rap sheet, like I said, it's going to take next to nothing for him to get done for two weeks because he's always going to have prize and loading. Yep. So um, big ups to the Warriors. Uh, for Manly, like we said, they really need some bodies back, but um, in an hour's time, we'll see the lineups, but there was talk that both the back rowers and the props, Tom, all not going to be available. So I know last year a lot of people said, well, they got it done missing those kind of players. And like, they were in and out. And we again go back to the issue that I raised that no one's mentioned the two hookers that just aren't there. Farnoo, we still have no idea what's going on there. And RP Coruscant moved on to Penrith. So there's a lot more layers to this. But if they're the sort of troops that are going to be out heading to Newcastle after a big win to play them at McDonald's, uh, Mac Jones Stadium, I don't like their chances this week. Me either. But they generally prove you're wrong when you mostly think they're down, but I definitely think they need to get some bodies back on the field, that's for sure. South Broncos, 28-10. Uh, this one comes back to the same shit we say every week about the Broncos, but more particularly what killed me the other night, and it's been terrible in most games. Their discipline is just horrendous. I've never seen probably a more undisciplined side in critical times, and it goes back to those words again about selfish and individual play. Every time they get themselves in good field position, or have a positive set-in, or something good happen, or they look like they're winning a set, they give away a set restart, or they gave away they gave away 11 actual penalties to four. They just killed themselves any time they looked like they got into good field position. Yeah. They just hand... And the other thing is, like, you always caught the handcuffing. They handcuff error to penalty, or penalty to penalty, and they constantly flip the field. 
Yeah. And when you play a wet weather game against probably one of the best kickers in the competition, Adam Reynolds, who did just so and strangled the death out of those conditions, error penalties are one thing, but they just constantly flipped the field, constantly gave them a way out or an easy way to come back straight down to their end of the field and attack them. Um, and it just, like I said, it's just selfish and stupid. I can't justify it any more than that. And um, Yeah, I, I don't have a lot, lot positive to say. Good to see Fafita back on the field. He made a bit of an impact, but again, it's not enough to turn around the issues that they've got right now. Uh, I think did, and again, good signs, but it's too late. And I don't know how this six-week or so period ends up or finishes up for the Brisbane Broncos, but the only thing I could say right now is the sooner the season ends for them, and the less noise, the better, because I don't have a whole lot else to say. Yeah, agree. For Souths, I think the biggest thing I took out of this game, again, uh, good impact from their bench, which is something that's been lacking during the year. Colin Matungi, Demetrio taking control. Again, people would say Wayne Bennett told him what to do. I think he had complete control of what he wanted to do. He gave more minutes, put him, he's more of an edge, but got him in the middle. Mago, Nichols scoring that try, which was just absolutely soft. Like, But I think their bench had a great impact on the game. Their halves controlled things well, and I think Luttrell... Still slowly but surely is building uh, into that position, but we need to see more of that, as we spoke about before, against top-end sides, not bottom-end sides. We keep seeing those good performances against teams that aren't going to be threatening finals football. Mm. So there you go. Storm, 41-10 over the Dogs. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this one either. It was pretty one-way traffic. They blew them off the field early. They carved up that left-hand edge. I think the one upside, like a lot of... Of the top end teams are trying to do here is Melbourne rolled in some guys that haven't been getting some football and they played well. Nico Hines played well at the back. Uh, they got Olam back in after a week off. Tommy Eisenhush in a real purple patch and just signed for another two years. Able to play back row, able to play middle. Started as a centre in his first first grade game. He's playing at the moment with the injury sort of issues that Melbourne are having. But um, I think, again, good chance just seeing Brandon play at nine and he was solid there. And Tino's development just continues and You'd have to think again, and we don't. I don't want to talk about it really because there's a long way in between there. But if he's not looking at a Queensland spot this year, I'd be very surprised. Hmm. Yeah, development within 12 months, and we talk about all these baby Broncos getting in the way they're playing. Like you can't tell me that Tino's not going to get in over some of those guys in the form that's been shown. Absolutely. And we've talked previously. Oh, you know, Wallace keeps getting in on Napa or guys that have been inconsistent. I think this year um, there'll be a few guys that are brand new to that system. But in particular, him right now, I think he's kicking the front door down. He'd be an exceptional guy to bring off the bench. Oh, yeah. And he's that's sort of his uh, real niche market at the moment. He's really, really effective in that position. So, You know the other one I like? And again, I think you can play him both ways. He's suspended again, but I think he's really developed well at South with Sewer. Yeah. Like people talking, all these ones you see have always got off of Hengawi or Wallace and these guys getting in on Napa. I'm like, well, I'm for him. That's a crock of shit. Mm. If you're picking like your Maguire, Napa, Arrow, Fafita, Felice sort of starting pack, and then you want a bench, I'm not picking off Angeli on form or Napa on form. I'm looking at guys like Tino and Jaden Sewer, guys that are angry and aggressive and have got good leg speed and bring an impact to a game. I think they've got a handful of young guys they could throw on that bench that could really throw the cat amongst the pigeons when they come on mm-hmm. and make a legitimate impact rather than just picking a couple of guys uh, for the sake of picking them or worrying about, oh, you know, is he ready? They've blooded young guys a million times, but yeah, there's a handful there. I just think are really in the mix this year. Come that back end if they're healthy and ready to go. But uh, Bulldogs efforts generally there every single week, but this wasn't their day. No, it wasn't. They were well off. We we got some messages. Some people blowing up, um, very unhappy. But I think when you've already generally got a pretty poor roster, 
mm-hmm. um, and you put in the effort they do every single week, I, I think it's just going to happen every so often where they have one week where it doesn't work out. And the weekend certainly looked like one of those games where just nothing went to plan. There was lots of errors. They were very poor defensively. Um, it just got blown off the park. <laughs> yep. Melbourne, biggest concern, I guess, Munster. But initially, a lot of people feared ACL. They're talking now. It's the same injury again in medial. So it could be two to three weeks, which is big, I guess, coming into the Roosters this week. But for them, they've got themselves enough of a buffer in the top four that I guess if you've got no Munster, you've got no Smith, and they rested Papenhaus and Finucane on the weekend, uh, they can approach this game how they feel. If they want to rest players again or they don't want to put anyone at risk, uh, they won't do so. They don't need to. So that's the positive for Melbourne. Newcastle Tigers 44-4. I could not believe this. I really couldn't. I was very confident in Newcastle. I thought they'd win win well, but I didn't think it would be this kind of scoreline. And for Madge McGuire, I think this speaks to what we spoke about the other week. And I know, again, a few of the media jumped on after saying, oh, they love what he does, but now they've kind of flipped their tune. We, we spoke about it before. When you're going to constantly chop and change and change your edge combinations and your middles and your halves and your spine, you get no continuity. But you also, I think, get a lack of confidence. It's one thing to bring accountability to a group and you want that and you want to shock the system or have people be accountable for their actions. But as we said before, similar deal. It's not the best top 30. You're better off picking the guys that you think are your best players moving forward and work with them. Develop those guys and really push to get the best out of them and then try and add players or bring kids through as you go. This whole complete flip of the halves and a different bench utility and different back rows every single week, like it's just, it's going to fall flat at some point. And similar to what we said about O'Brien, the, if you're going to have a blow-up all the time or constantly be putting your foot on the throat and being aggressive and over the top, it's going to burn some people out pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. But I big thought time, the man. weekend, if you want to justify it, their last six games, they've lost five of them. The one big result for all the changes that everyone justified was against the Broncos. Like That's not a game to look at and go, oh, those changes were worthwhile. Mm. You could have put anyone out in any of those forms of combinations or players, and I think they would have blown the Broncos off the field the way they're playing their football. The constant chopping and change is not working. It's not. No. Brooks Ab- and absolutely Benjamin. Not. They, yeah. And they look like they've they've lost some gas. Like maybe you've you know squeezed the sponge on a lot of these players, whether you've damaged their confidence or they're not going to be able to get any continuity because they're in and out of the side. I'm not too sure, but yeah, they're they're in a hard position because he's probably driving standards higher than yeah. what they're actually able to access. And I love the terms way of he performance, is. so yeah, it's it's difficult. But in the short term, right now, I think yeah, it's gonna it will fry a few people. Mm. And I know they're still frustrated with a couple of people that they want to get rid of. You know, the Reynolds deal, the Packer deal, the Embiid deal. Like, there's a couple there they'd love to move on from. But at the same time, you don't want to make the place seem I don't want to say untenable, but not not like. And then the Madison thing last year, we don't know the full details around that. But right now, you don't want to bring. I guess, a bit of a stigma to the place that if you go there, it's just war all the time and it's going to be constant chop and chat. Like, not saying he has to be fuzzy-wuzzy, hugs and cuddles all the time and everything's warm and soft and cuddly, but I think for the Tigers, there's a delicate balance here as well to getting your best players on the field, not chopping and changing and being so cutthroat every single week and attracting players moving forward. Mm. I think there's a real balance. Um, They've got a real... it's It's a rough... It's a rough run home, and I've said this with certain teams. I know they'd like to think their chances probably aren't done yet, but if there's another loss uh, in the next couple of weeks, they've got the Bulldogs this weekend, which will probably keep them in touch, I guess, mathematically depending on results. But 
if it gets too far away, again, you guys like your Sam McIntyres, your Sean Bloors, anyone there that you think is part of that best setup moving forward, play them. Yeah. Get him in your side. If, if Packer and Reynolds, even if they've got a year to go and you're off them, just don't play them. Mm. Pay you a bit of the wage if you have to to get them to go. I don't know what, what the situation is and what they can do. I don't think anyone's going to want a piece of him by. And I know they struggled with the Reynolds thing, but if they're not part of your plans, even if you're handcuffed to them, I'd be moving he- heaven and earth. Even if they've got 12 months left, just to take a bit of a hit on my cap, free up some money and try and get rid of some people that I don't think are part of my future plans. Yeah. Uh, and a big blow, I guess, for them as well. Harry Grant injured, not playing on the weekend. I guess we got a bit of a glimpse also what we spoke about. Oh, they, they were horrendous. They, they've all been speaking that Harry's our player and he blo- like, you've got him on loan. He's not there and he's gone next year. But you got a bit of a glimpse of the difference with Harry Grant playing and not playing. Mm. And on top of that, a, a double blow, Billy Walters. That ACL, that was brutal. Yeah. Like just one of those freak accidents, one of those things you don't wish upon anybody. And So it's confirmed ACL? Yeah, ACL, wow. MCL. And um, I guess this is probably a good time to bring it up. Um, should have brought it up earlier in the show, but... Uh, Thoughts and prayers go out to anyone who was affected by the situation there in Lebanon, and it was really, really devastating to see Adam Dewey and the, the emotional state he was in after that game. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, um, terrible. I, I don't know. Again, ties to players like him. We saw Mansour with the flag after that game as well, and there's, there's lots of great Lebanese people linked in with the game of rugby league or involved in the game of rugby league, but I was absolutely shattered um, when I saw that yesterday on replay and just seeing how hard that hit him and... The fact that he played, and again, you, you don't know if he was directly affected with family or anyone over there or here, but just in general, that, that community. Um, thoughts and prayers and best wishes to anyone who's been affected by it because it's a crazy situation. But Yeah. Yeah, devastating loss. Yeah, I just got murdered. They were awful in yardage. They constantly made errors. They invited Newcastle down. I thought they dominated the middle. The long side shifts now that they're able to get green and pierce, like they look like they've been playing together for years. They just stretched the field, got them thin, and they targeted the, the edge that everyone knows, which is the right edge of the Tigers. Benji, Leilua, they just pulled those guys apart at will. And probably, oh. the, probably the real summary of the game is halftime again. You don't want to concede a try when Safidi just crashes over. Mm. You knew from there that things were not going to get much better in the second half. And Maguire was pretty reserved in the dressing room. I think he was doing his best not to, to uh, blow his top again. But, yeah, it, it certainly didn't get better in the second half, that's for sure. So, danger game this weekend against the Bulldogs. They beat them last time. This is one of those games we talk about, like the Warriors one, like the Titans one, are the ones that'll cost you your final spot. And surprisingly, they're two wins out of the eight now. They're two wins they probably should have got. Don't know what Bulldogs we're going to get this weekend, but I dare say if the Dogs are going to be up for any sort of games, these are the ones they're going to be up for. So, real danger game for the Tigers. Oh, yeah. Panthers-Canberra that we went to. 28-12. The first half, what a blitz. It's blew them off the park. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Yep, 24's it. Both edges. Uh, again, we see the continuity building with this spine, not so much the fullback that's been in and out, but the link between the two halves, the nine, the way their middles are playing, the way the edges are operating, they're just great to watch. They can get you anywhere on the park, Penrith, at will. Just the amount of bodies in motion and the shape from the roll-on, especially that first trophy kick-out where Nath's able to square up, started drift a little bit sideways, square up again. He almost triple pump, like I said to you live. They just had so much time and space off the platform that they were generating. Um, it's good to see Kikau finally hit one of those lines have been used a little more. I know a lot of people in weeks past are going, oh, they use him as a decoy, they use him as a decoy. I just also tend to think that some weeks he just drifts out of games. Mm. He was on the other night. He was keen to be in on the action. Um, again, Appy around the middle, Fish, Yo, Martin filling in on that right. Like, there's so many positives you can bring out. The wide just keeps getting better. 
They're using May in some little spots, but you've also got what we spoke about in the past, great utility value in someone that can play nine, halves, centre, lock, um, outside backs, regardless of who seems to come in and out. They do a job. It's just a real positive situation. They're the healthiest and probably the most dangerous side we're looking at right now out of those top couple of sides. Absolutely. And for Canberra? They, um, that first half, they just ground away. I mean, that the first seven minutes, I don't think they touched the ball and just weathered Canberra and then were just good enough to grind, get in the cycle and just wear Canberra down. And that, Canberra were just no match, um, which is... I guess just par for the course at the moment for Canberra. They're working through some issues and they're going to be better come finals time. But uh, Penrith are just a head and shoulders above most teams in the comp at the moment. Yep, and we saw a real run of confidence, I guess, off the back of that Melbourne result after a close game with yeah. Parramatta there and they've just seemed to surge forward. Eight in a row but, since. Um, yeah, eight in a row. Great result after the game. Obviously, like we said, those comments probably not the greatest or not really what they need to bring attention to themselves, but things are going quite well. And I think this weekend... Bit of a danger game, really. If the Warriors, if they take the Warriors lightly, they'll certainly have the hands full. Yeah. I didn't think they took the Titans lightly the other week. They did have a few players out, but you know, they kind of found themselves a little bit shocked at the back end of the half. They were good enough to reel it back in, but um, real good signs from the Panthers. And the big thing we talk about health. You got the Roosters with a swag of players out. Melbourne's missing a couple. Para had a couple of weeks there without players. Penrith had guys sort of in and out, but for the most part, they've probably been the healthiest of those top sides. If they stay the course there. Staines and Toto uh, get back in. Catewell spoke about the other week. They're just going to have a really, really good squad to pick from. Really, really good players all across the park. They can cover just about any issue or injury they have. But more importantly, the form of the spine and that forward pack at the moment, if that keeps heading that direction and trending upwards, they're going to be a real danger for the title. Massive danger. Yeah. Canberra, it's been a real rough period. Lots of road trips, lots of close games, some changeover of troops. They were better in the second half. Chance to play the way he did, back with that finger early. Uh, I thought their pack just got dominated. And they're probably, like I said, they're feeling a lot of those trips. You could see it last week in that day trip to North Queensland, which is a nightmare for a lot of sides. But big thing for them this week, they're finally home. They'll get a, a comfortable week. I'm sure they'll get an extra rest day and they get to play the Broncos. It's a really good time for them to have this fixture pop up. Yeah. Good timing for the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, uh, they need one, don't they? They need a kill. Oh, 100%. Titans-Cowboys. Delta. Outstanding. The Titans were fantastic. Played a real good brand of footy. Uh, the Cowboys couldn't handle it. Dry track. Uh, they smashed Morgan. Belt of Morgan. Morgan missed, what, eight tackles? Seven First tackles, game back. Tackles. Like, you know, you're not going to be right up to scratch, but um, they certainly tested that shoulder out, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. They absolutely bashed him. I love what I saw, again, against the Roosters, and we spoke about it. They're playing what suits them best. And with Brimson back now, again, having Fogarty, and him sort of takes some responsibility away from Taylor. We're seeing the better of Ash Taylor now with less pressure and less responsibility. And he's coming up with some of those better plays with his kicking and his ball playing. Fogarty, I absolutely love. He's just a tough bastard. Brimson's the real live wire. Him sweeping side to side and just injecting himself on the weekend. He created numbers a few times. Getting out of yardage, the fact they're willing to move the football or play with a bit of width and not just play one-out football and play into the guts of teams. There's lots to like. There really is. Absolutely. And again, on the back of all these sorts of moves, we've got the Fafita, Tino, SESE coming. Now you've got someone like Proctor, who I don't think has been as great this whole time, basically saying that the best is to come, I want to stay. Yeah. For the right circumstances, the right conditions, if his form continues the way it has the last few weeks, probably not a bad move. Mm. But on the Titans' terms this time, not on the flip side, like we said, where players 
have basically dictated to the Titans how it's going to go down. I think they're in a position, if they keep playing this way and attract these sort of players, where they may get a couple of guys like him, like you're talking about, who are willing to go, okay, I'll take 100 less or I'll stay for this or I'll do the right thing. And, and they're in the position to do that now. Mm. If it's not on their terms, Gold Coast, I'd say goodbye. Yeah. Um, the back line, obviously, I think, has come alive with the, this spine starting to build now. But Brimson, really, uh, the last two weeks, just made a huge difference all around to this team. And some of these forwards okay. just doing their job on the back of Moeaki. So hopefully we see this trend for the rest of the year and bring those couple of guys in next year. And it, it could be a real... I think you put those three in with what you're seeing on a consistent basis here right now and healthy. I don't see why they can't be in the eight or at the bottom end of the eight. I really don't. Mm-hmm. With what sort of parked around there now, if you're looking at those rosters and saying put those three in. Um, yeah. I think Pete's similar as well the last few weeks and he's got his opportunity. Um, Holbrook's made him accountable and kept him on the outer for a bit and tried some other guys. I think he's played all right the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah it's been a bit of a wake-up call for so him. Been, he, he needs to play better. 100%. It's another situation where maybe they get to a point where he's keen to stay and that's the option and they, they get him for what would be more reasonable mm-hmm. and recorrect on a few things. So Good performance. Cowboys, uh, yeah, I expected a lot better, but it's kind of the same thing every week. If it's not Tamalola or it's not Maguire seeming to roll their sleeves up, there's not a whole lot positive. Cohen Hess, Michael Morgan missed 15 tackles between them. They were absolute speed bumps. Errors, poor play. Um, it's been a mixed bag year. They've had lots of injuries, lots of change. They've got some good kids in, I guess, the only positive, and I said this same deal with a lot of these teams when you get to the back end. Keep playing Hamiso, keep playing Robson, give Cotter more time, Dunn, Tualagi, Emre Pere, anyone who you think is part of your future moving forward and why you're looking for this new coach, just roll through your roster. Yeah. Because um, there's still a few moves there. Your own Neils, your Gavin Coopers, there's some guys there that still need to be moved on. Yeah, absolutely. So just work through what you've got. Last one of the round, Eels Cronulla. I actually found this quite enjoyable considering what a mess the conditions were to play in. Um, you will not find a harder, harder game to play in. The water was ridiculous. Kicks were stopping on a dime. The Eels in particular really enjoyed uh, the conditions as far as the kicking game and forcing some dropouts. And I thought the Sharks were quite resilient, in all honesty. They probably weren't as good inside 20 with the kicking game. Matt Moylan had a couple of barriers. Johnson's kicking game was okay, but um, they probably handled the conditions better as far as their attack are concerned. They generated a little bit more on their right edge. They got Sevo caught out a couple of times when they scored twice in the second half to pull themselves back in to position, but I guess the difference at the end of the day was the goal kicking um, and a few errors at the back end of the game yeah. where the Sharks had some opportunities. Crazy-ass game, but it's a game where goal kicking is vitally important and it's cost them again. Yeah, Johnson's kicking was terrible. And last year, we spoke about that a few games where they racked up five or six tries and opposition only scored three or four, but goal kicking just had a huge effect on them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to judge really what this game would have been on a dry track compared to these conditions. But I thought this was definitely tailor-made for the Sharks to play this the way they wanted to. But Dylan Brown, for me, was outstanding. Um, he was a real big difference for Parramatta. Nathan Brown as well, just absolutely reveled in these conditions. He ripped in for the Sharks. Talakai, Rudolph, I thought Johnson was pretty good again despite his goal-kicking obviously being one of the real deciding factors. And uh, Morris in his press conference, and that's why I look at the clearer thing, probably not directly, about the refs, but he sort of questioned a few things. He wasn't happy with Ferguson's knock-on, saying that's a knock-on every day of the week in just about any other game where he ran past and left without the ball. Said that Raymond's in the first half was similar. Kind of questioned pushing in scrums uh, when they won against the feed there. And generally, the refs always make your reset on that. And he also mentioned the Mulitalo offside try, but said, you know, the refs were in a better position than me. But he 
was a bit probably questionable. I, I guess that's probably a bit more frustration when you are so close in a game like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but similar deal. I look at those comments and I'm like, well, I don't see... You could say the other ones are calculated or a bit more direct or right at them, but you're still questioning some decisions or questioning some things with their game. Yeah, exactly. So if you really want to be that picky every week, I think you could get most coaches for commenting on something because they're all linked directly back to the referee. Yeah. Um, but, again, I would have liked to have seen this in a dry track, but for Cronulla, they missed an opportunity to be the top eight side. Mm. Good thing for them. Still got themselves in the eight. Titans this week, though, it's certainly a danger game. I know they towed you blokes up last time after a struggle in the first half, but on current form, expect a much closer game. And it's one they need to win again just to keep maintaining. Yeah. Because they've missed out on a few chances now against sides uh, in the eight. But that one on the weekend would have been a big win. That would have really dragged them in to a really, a, not a safe position, but a very, very good position moving into uh, this last kind of six-week run. So, yeah, a couple of players to come back from the Sharks. Bruh, uh, the Eels, who they got this week? They got the Dragons. Mm. Um, still been a bit patchy the last few weeks, like you spoke of, not overly convincing. I still think they're, they're doing what they need to do, but definitely need to see some improvement on this back end right heading to the finals because right now, I think if them and Penrith played again or the Roosters get all their players back and they played or even Melbourne, just on a consistency basis with Munster, Smith, and all their players back on the park. I'm a, not totally, I'm not off Parramatta, but I'm a bit iffy if they played all those guys at full strength right now, whether they'd get the job done. Yeah. So they've just seemed to have plateaued or flattened out a little bit, that's all. Oh, go. yeah, yeah. But that, again, with the idea that they're going to improve the back end of the year. Yeah. Well, there's a... Reviews the games from the weekend. We don't have lineups, but we'll do our tips box head and look at some of the odds for the games. Uh, last week you got seven. I got six. You're now on 76. I'm on 74. And the first one to kick off this weekend, an absolute belter, Rooster Storm. But as far as troops are concerned, without knowing, I heard that the Roosters would get a few back. But if things stayed as they were and there was no Jared, Morris's, Tupo, Cordner, Crichton, and then on the Melbourne side, Smith, Munster, Momorowski, Branko, Lee. Like, there's some troops missing on both sides here. Uh, I tend to think that the Roosters probably will get a few back, and Melbourne missing Smith and Munster is a much more critical thing. So I'm, I'm going to go the Roosters, but this yeah. is a difficult one. To... Me too, and the fact I think they won one off the last time. Yeah. It's a game they had dead and buried and gave away, essentially. If anyone's getting players back, though, I'd be more likely the Chooks. So, yeah. Um, We'll know in 40 minutes' time, but I'll go with the Roosters, as will you. And the bookies agree, $1.38, 3.05 for the Storm, minus 7.5 is the line in that one. Early Friday game, Warriors up against the Penny Panthers. Not expecting, I guess, changes uh, for the Panthers or anything dramatic there as far as the Warriors are concerned. I think after last week, they should pretty much be uh, as they were, but definitely sticking with the Panthers because the Warriors, I think, have been up and this is probably a difficult game for them. But the Panthers can't take the Warriors lightly, that's for sure. No. And the odds on this one are crazy. $7 for the Warriors, the dollar ten for the Panthers, given some of the sides they've played recently or, you know, the way they're up against the Titans or even on the weekend. I think the 8.5 isn't that bad. I don't expect the Warriors to fall that far off this week. Uh, you just, you're playing with, playing with fire, man. Oh, I probably wouldn't touch it, but 8.5 is a fair I'm not touching it and I'm tipping Penrith. That's, that's a fair whack of points. Uh, Friday night game, Parramatta up against the Dragons again. Parramatta just kind of getting through at the moment, expecting a better performance this Friday night. They're back at Bank West up against the Dragons. Who knows what we're going to get out of this situation. They'll still be without Paul Vaughan um, with another week to go on his suspension. Jackson Ford's now been suspended. Lomax not knowing 
if he's got any ongoing issue with that knee, he finished that game out that hopefully he's lining up for him. But, yeah, I can't tip the Dragons. And then, again, all the talk again around them this week. I definitely nah, stick with the Eels. Hopefully we see a good performance uh, from the Dragons, but you just you just don't know what you're going to get. And, again, constant chatter, constant talk around it. Talk they're off him, talk he's going to get fired after this game. They're not the kind of things you want to be hearing heading into a game, that's for sure. No. But we're both on Parramatta. They're $1.25, $4 for the Dragons, minus 11.5 is the line there. Kicking off Super Saturday, it is the Cronulla Sharks up against your Gold Coast Titans. Should be a good game. Yeah, the odds, that's massive odds difference. Mm. Well, I'm going to go with the Sharks, but I think it's going to be closer than what the odds reflect. Yeah, I think the travel will impact it. I'll go Sharks, but um, that's one that I'll be looking at the start. Mm. Well, with those odds, $1.25 for the Sharks, $4 for the Titans if you like the outside of it, yeah. Ladbrokes, $2 lines, 10.5 start. Not bad mm. if you think it'll be competitive uh, as they've both played more recently. So, um, Good signs for the Titans there. Sharkies, a danger game, definitely need to keep winning uh, after a close loss last weekend. But, yeah, I think the Titans will certainly be a handful. Middle game on Saturday, the Cowboys are up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs back up in North Queensland. They were terrible last week. You definitely have to expect a better effort, but I just can't tip them. You just nah. don't know what you're going to get. I, I, South. I thought the week or two before they showed some fight and some good signs, but last week they sort of just flatlined. Um, you don't think Morgan would play as bad the no, second week in a row? No, he'll enjoy the run. You just, I don't know. I just, I just don't think teams that are on the outer right now are going to be really pushing as hard. They're one of those ones I kind of look at, and we might get a similar effort to what we got against the Raiders, where they did throw the kitchen sink and they came up short. But, yeah, I think for South, this is one of those ones you look at and go, you have to win. These yeah. are the ones that are keeping the bottom end of the eight, so... Both on South, $1.35 for them, $3.20 for the Cowboys. Eight is the line there. And the Saturday night game back at Canberra, they'll be very thankful for that. No travel this week, and they couldn't be getting their opponent at a better time. The Brisbane Broncos up against the Raiders. Raiders. You could not tip the Broncos with anyone's money or your own. Missing your head coach. Got an assistant, Peter General, there. There's no Alfie. There's no luck. They're short on staff in general in the bubble, let alone what's going on on the field, so... Not the place you want to be heading. And having said it a couple of weeks ago, when you've lived in Canberra, Saturday nights or nighttime games, given the weather, I don't know what it's going to be like this weekend, but it's mm. not a place you want to play late-night football. No. It's horrible. And Canberra generally love it because you thrive on it, you train it all week, you deal with those conditions. And they're heavy favourites. $1.14, $5.50 for the Broncos, $14.50 is the line in that one. Sunday games to finish the round off. Nights. Up against Manly, again, without the lineups and hearing that potentially both front rowers, the back rowers, it's not a great situation. Nice. Newcastle at home, off the performance last week with Green. Potentially Daniel Safedi would be back this week, which would be massive, and his brother's taken leaps and bounds while he's been out of this side. I think the big one for me, I didn't mention it before actually, Mitch Barnett is one of those guys like a Radley or a Brandon Smith in Melbourne that's just a real good barometer for your team. Mm. When he's in the lineup, he brings an aggression, he brings an energy that I think is just... Infectious for those around him. Um, some of his efforts on the weekend and that pass for that try, that was an absolute corker. But yeah, Newcastle at home, I really like him here. So yeah, you're on Newcastle. Nice. Dollar thirty-eight minus seven and a half is the line, and Manly the outsiders three dollars twenty. Um, yeah, interested to see who is in that lineup. But Tommy still seems like he's uh, a couple of weeks away, and Fenua Blake's definitely going to be out. They're talking two to four weeks with a PCL, but Tapau, Thompson, Sirian, and they're all critical. Last game of the round. Tigers, to keep any mathematical hope alive, will stay in touch. They're up against the Bulldogs. 
I don't know about the sweeping changes this week or what Madge Maguire does. Who knows? But Walters is certainly out of that loop. I don't know if Reynolds, his suspension's over now, isn't it? I think he just hasn't even get picked. Uh, I think it, yeah, it was against the Eels, I think, wasn't it? His suspension. Couple of weeks. So, no, maybe maybe this is the week he's back. Well, he got suspended against, who did he get Bridget, uh, I don't even remember. I, I saw him on the weekend in the box and I thought, I can't remember how many he weeks. He got two weeks, I'm pretty sure. Surely it's Let been me have two a weeks. Look. I think that was two weeks. This weekend just gone. Well, without knowing the lineup, I'd expect him to be playing nine this week. Yeah, so at round 11 he got suspended and then his two weeks were this week the last week. two games, which were, who did they play? Warriors. And then this week... Well, I'd be moving him to nine and then buy back Newcastle. The so, yeah, he should be back this week. Yeah. I'd put him in hooker. Hmm. Now that uh, this is the one I, potential upset, but I'm tipping the Tigers. Yeah, if Grant's not good to go, which they keep denying. Bulldogs were disappointing on the weekend. Yeah, it was one of those weeks, wasn't it? Where they just looked a bit flat. All those back-to-back yeah. efforts and travel as well. They're going up to the sunny coast and they got torn apart by the storm. But um, if there's ever a game they need to get up for, this is one of those ones again. Could potentially drag themselves off the bottom of the ladder, but. Yeah, you'd think the Tigers have to be better this week. Um, if Harry Green is out for three to four weeks, as is spoken of, if Reynolds is available, I'd put him at nine. I'd push Moses back out. If Little's close to go, uh, maybe put him on the bench for that role there. But, yeah, I'd stick with Benji, Brooks, Dewey as your spine, and I'd have Reynolds come into the nine position, um, push with that. And if he makes any changes in the forward pack, I, I don't know. But it's been very up and down. Lots of guys rolling in and out the last few weeks. Uh I don't know. They, they have to respond. Plain yeah. and simple. So both on the Tigers, dollar forty-five. They are the Dogs two seventy-five minus six and a half. The line there. So if you think the Bulldogs are good value as an outsider, or you like to start there and think it's going to be a tight game, six and a half. There you go. Anything else, Boxhead? No, not a lot. Got uh, got some nice messages during the week, as we said last week, um, from a lot of people that are down in Victoria or Melbourne and dealing with the lockdown situation. So yeah. glad that you're all doing well. Appreciate some of the messages and, yeah, reiterate what we said last week. Hope everyone's doing well. You know, stay busy or as busy as you can. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Make sure you, you know, like you said, the main thing is just keep yourself busy, I guess. Don't get caught in your thoughts. If it's in your own backyard, if you're allowed to, I don't know the, the whole thing around. They're allowed to go out for walks or small bits during the day. But stage four, you're not allowed to, I don't think. No. So even harder now. But um, I guess, yeah, the main thing, just rely on your family, rely on those around you. Stay busy. And uh, fingers crossed things look better. And again, as I said before, um, seeing Dewey in the emotional state he was in the weekend, absolutely devastating. Um, answering a couple of guys there with the flags, just uh, anyone who listens or anyone um, who's affected by the situation there in Lebanon, uh, thoughts and prayers to you as well. Yeah. So there you go. Stay safe, everyone. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.